our scripture today is all about spiritual gifts. And Dave, uh, would you go ahead and read that? There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who will last to each, one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. This is the Word of God for the people of God. What does it mean to be a builder of the kingdom of God? It means to look forward toward the reign of God on earth, heaven, if you will. When the love of God is the foundation, there is enough for everyone, and creation is flourishing. There is peace and harmony. There is economic justice. There is compassion and integrity. The evils of the world, hate and prejudice, hostility, greed, and violence are replaced with the ways of God. Love, forgiveness, reconciliation, kindness, generosity. All people are respected as the children of God they are. If you look around the world today, you know that we are not there yet. It's a little overwhelming, yes? The good news is that God didn't put that task on just one person. We don't have to individually save the world. Jesus already did that. Our job is to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a piece of the puzzle that is the church. May I tell you that one of my favorite things in the whole world is to be a part of a team, to work together with other people to accomplish something big that I couldn't do on my own. That's exactly what being the church is all about, and it's why I am so excited about spiritual gifts. I think they are amazing and wonderful. So, to start us off on our sermon series this month, I'm going to share Deacon Laura's top 10 amazing and wonderful things about spiritual gifts. I know you're all excited. (laughs) Number one, everyone receives them. Verse 7 of our scripture lesson says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. A modern paraphrase of this is, every single one of you has some gift that tells other people the Spirit is working in you. An author named R. Paul Stevens wrote a small group study about spiritual gifts, 
and he makes an interesting statement. He says, often when we walk into a church, we are aware that there are two types of people, one called clergy and one called laity. They dress differently, talk differently, work differently, and sometimes even think differently. One gives ministry, the other receives ministry. Yet, when we walk into the New Testament, we meet not two groups of people separated by titles, education, and roles, but one people called the people of God. He goes on to point out that it is commonly thought that the pastor's job or the clergy's job is to do ministry and that the work of the rest of the people is to assist. This is actually a mistaken notion and one that Christian churches have let go on for far too long. The clergy are here to equip the laity for ministry. Everyone who has been baptized into the Christian faith is a minister. Make sense? Nobody's off the hook. Everybody gets a spiritual gift to use to help build the kingdom of God. Amazing and wonderful thing number two. Spiritual gifts are all different. There are several examples listed in this particular passage from 1 Corinthians, and there are more listed in other places in the Bible, particularly by the Apostle Paul in his letters to the Romans and the Ephesians. Author Kenneth Kane Kinghorn gives a thorough list of these gifts in a spiritual gift inventory he created to help people figure out what the gifts are, what their gifts are. They are, in mostly alphabetical order, administration or organization. That's pretty self-explanatory. Apostleship, which is being a messenger for God in other cultures or being a church planter. Compassion and providing care for someone who is hurting. Discernment, which is defined by Kinghorn as the ability to hear a teaching or consider a course of action and then determine if the source is God or not. Evangelism, which is the ability to lead others to faith in Christ. Exhortation. One word for this is encouragement, but more than that, it's the ability to call forth the best within others through the ministry of understanding, encouragement, and counsel. Sounds pretty good, right? Faith, the ability to trust God even when things seem impossible. Giving, the ability to discern financial and material needs and then to meet them. Giving aid, this means to see what needs to be done, to help people in a practical way, and then organizing people to do it. Healing, being an instrument of God's healing grace in the lives of others. Helping. This is providing practical help oneself in order for others to do ministry. Miracles. This could be helping bring about a miracle, but it can also be believing that God is capable of miracles and helping others believe that too. Prophecy. Not so much telling the future as declaring the word of God with clarity and power. Teaching. We know what teaching is, right? Uh, But it may happen in various uh, settings, not just a classroom. Serving. Taking care of others' needs. Shepherding. This is pastoral leadership. 
speaking in tongues. This is praising God in another language not yet learned or an ecstatic utterance that is not an earthly language. Now, I know we don't talk about this much in the United Methodist Church, but it's on the list, so I wanted to include it. Interpretation of tongues is, uh, of course, explaining what somebody said (laughs) to the people who can't understand. Word of knowledge, the ability to receive and then deliver a fact or truth about a person um, or situation that is from the Holy Spirit. And word of wisdom, this is receiving and delivering divine insight regarding a situation. Uh, Can I tell you that one of my favorite memories um, is a woman, a parishioner uh, of mine in years past, who used to come to me, not often, but every once in a while, she would just come to me and tap me on the shoulder, and she'd say, Laura, I have a word from the Lord for you. (laughs) Thank you. Let's hear it. (laughs) Wow, so that's a really long list. And that brings us to the third amazing and wonderful thing. Even though the list was extensive, it is not exhaustive, which means that your gift might be something else. You don't have to just look at that list and like pick one. You don't have to do that. So you might be wondering, how do I know if what I'm thinking might be my gift is actually a spiritual gift? Well, the fourth amazing and wonderful thing about spiritual gifts is that the purpose of the gifts is the building up of the kingdom of God. Does the ability you have in mind declare in some way, shape, or form that Jesus Christ is Lord? Or does it help someone else do that? If you can say yes, you could be talking about a spiritual gift. Kinghorn defines a spiritual gift as a special ability to minister with effectiveness and power. Spiritual gifts help us work together to be the body of Christ. You could define the body of Christ as the church. And we do use our spiritual gifts to put the church together. The church is not a building, however, despite the fact that we're working so hard to make ours bigger right now. The church is the people of God. And the task of the people of God is to build the kingdom of God. This means that everywhere you go is a place that you can use your spiritual gifts. And maybe the place you can be most effective is your place of work, or in your home, or in public, and not the church building at all. Does the ability declare that Jesus is Lord? Does it build up the kingdom of God? Compassion shown to a coworker in a time of crisis. Faith exhibited and expressed in times of trial. Stay-at-home parents raising up disciples of Jesus Christ. All of these are examples of spiritual gifts being utilized out in the world. Amazing and wonderful thing number five. Gifts change over time according to the circumstances you are in and what God needs for the building of the kingdom. Okay? God gives us what we need. It might not be what we expect, but we are given the right tools at the right time. I've been in four churches as an adult, many more as a child, but as an adult, I've been in four churches. In the first one, I worked with young mothers 
and small children. At the time, I was a young mother, and I had small children, so it kind of made sense, and that's what the church needed. At my second church, I worked with youth, even though I still had small children. That's what that church needed. I got to the third church, and they didn't need any help with youth. God had different plans and different needs for the building of the kingdom in that place. I began working with older adults and people who were sick in crisis and who were dying. I still love to encourage young people when I can, but I have found a new gift and a new calling that has continued into my fourth church. This is all to say that you're not locked in to one particular ability. Does that make sense? So if you did a spiritual gifts inventory years ago, do another one. See what God has for you today. This leads to number six. Because gifts change over time, you are not defined by your gift. You are defined by who you are, which is a child of God. The example that comes to mind the quickest is the gift of teaching. Maybe you felt called to be a teacher early in your life, but that doesn't mean that a word of wisdom won't come to you one day along with the courage to express it, or that you won't at some point feel called to something else, or that God won't need you for something else. You are a child of God with the gift of teaching, not the other way around. Make sense? This brings us to number seven. This is really important. Employing your spiritual gifts should not add stress to your life. It should bring you joy. Being used by God is an amazing and wonderful thing, and God does not call us to wear ourselves out by doing so many things that we cannot get enough sleep or take care of ourselves. If doing something for God makes you cranky, instead of joyful, that means it's time to figure out if that's really what God is calling you to do. In a delightful little devotional book by Alice Freiling, it says, can you picture Jesus rushing down the street, talking on his cell phone, bumping shoulders as he weaves through the crowd to hurry to his afternoon meeting? If Jesus were living on earth in the 21st century, he would not be living as many of us are. Jesus' life reflected a confidence centered in his Father who guided his interactions and activities in such a way that Jesus could avoid being rushed, could feel free not to meet every opportunity, and could promise that if we follow him, we will have peace. Food for thought, people. Amazing and wonderful thing number eight. You don't have to know what your gifts even are to use them. Isn't that helpful? But you do need to listen to God. You may already have an idea of what your spiritual gifts are, but whether you do or whether you don't, it doesn't matter if you're not listening to God to know when to use them. Remember, this is not just a Sunday thing, and it's not just a church thing. It's about building up the kingdom of God everywhere we are. Spending time with spiritual practices like scripture reading, meditation, prayer, private worship, and talking with other people of God, all of these help us hear what God is saying to us 
and where God is leading us to use our spiritual gifts. You may be wondering at this point uh, what your spiritual gifts are, and I'm happy to tell you that Reverend Hal is going to be offering a spiritual gifts class on Wednesday, September 13th, so not this week, but the next week. It's a one-time class that's being offered at three different times on the same day, 1.30, 5.15, and 7 p.m. You can sign up on the bulletin board across from the office. That has the times there. And if you don't have time for that or if you're not uh, available that day, you can also go to umc.org and do the spiritual gifts assessment they have there online. It only takes a few minutes. Amazing and wonderful thing number nine. All spiritual gifts are important, so no one is better or more special than anyone else. This was actually a big problem uh, in the church in Corinth back in the day, and it's one of the reasons Paul wrote this letter uh, to them that our scripture passage is from. Some of the church members were getting big heads, right, because they thought their gifts were of more value uh, than others. But in the verses following this passage, Paul compares spiritual gifts to the parts of a human body. You've heard that passage before. Um, I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, and he says it this way. I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where God wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, It is only because of what you are a part of. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Our spiritual gifts are all important and all different. They intersect with each other, well, like pieces of a puzzle to make a whole. And now, the tenth amazing and wonderful thing about spiritual gifts. I thought about having you do a drum roll, Suzanne, but I I didn't ask ahead. We have to work together to make our gifts more effective. What happens if the heart isn't pumping blood? It doesn't do any good if the lungs are filling up with oxygen. It's not going to go out to the cells if there's no pumping action to make the blood go through the arteries, right? Working together means we accomplish more. Working together means doing better than working alone. Working together means we are paying attention to what God is saying to us individually and us collectively Working together takes communication and patience and organization and encouragement of one another. It isn't easy, but there's an important reason we're doing all of this. All over our community, all over our state, all over our country, 
and all over our world, there are people suffering in disasters, in poverty, in oppression, in hunger, in sickness, in homelessness, in loneliness, in hopelessness. The word of God promises hope to each one. As part of the body of Christ, we are builders of the kingdom of God that promises a bright future, one that can break into the here and now if we only do our part. We all have the opportunity to be a part of the transformation of the world that God is doing. During my recent vacation, thank you very much, it was good to get away, I put together a thousand-piece puzzle. I actually really enjoy puzzles. One red piece was missing as I neared completion. I looked and I looked, and I finally found it under the couch. The church is like that puzzle. Every single one of us is needed to put the church together, piece by piece. Will you join us on the journey